Hello everyone, welcome to Intimate Animation, brought to you by the online animation magazine Squiggly.com. This series covers animation that takes on adult themes of love, relationships, and sex. So steal yourself as there's some frank discussion ahead. Welcome to episode four of Intimate Animation. I'm Ben Mitchell, and joining me is Laura Beth Cowley. How are you doing, Laura? I'm good. Hello, everyone. And this episode's guest is a film that, in a way, is a little bit of a spiritual sibling to um, the film we discussed in episode two, called Private Parts by Anna Ginsberg. Uh, although this film is a little bit more of a history lesson, as well as anything else. Yeah, it's a lot more uh, focused in on, um, well, on well, Really, With Anna's film, it was kind of a collection of like oral insight, if you'll pardon the expression. And this one is more a sort of studied micro-history lesson, I guess, about the uh, cultural and societal attitudes toward the clitoris and various misconceptions that lie therein. I'm trying to remember what it reminds me of. I think it reminds me slightly of Hysteria. Do you remember that live-action film, which is about the guy that invented the first vibrator? When Hysteria was treated yeah. uh, by, essentially, manual stimulation. Yeah, because the, the clitoris film, what is it called? The clitoris. It is quite interesting in the way that they talk about how um, so many men have studied it and disproved it, improved it. Improved it. Improved it. (laughs) Bigger, faster, stronger. (laughs) It's like a a shaver advert. We put a tiny little bow on it and we made it pink for ladies. Um, (laughs) But talking about it as uh, from a, a scientific point of view or a cultural point of view... And the film mostly just sort of talks about how like, he just wants to have fun. Just touch it. <laughs> like, it's fine. Um, With the clitoris. Yeah. And religion. and. It's interesting that you just attributed male gender to the clitoris. I think it's because in the film, I'm not saying that all like clitorises in general are f- male, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but in the film, he he feels like, I think it's because there's so many men involved in the film, like, discussing it and talking about it i think also you just generally wave it more towards calling something a him rather than a her when it's genderless yeah why do you suppose that is what in general or for this yeah like it's like a little if something is just like a kind of thing creature what would make you think oh that's a he rather than that's a she i think it's just for me i think most people a lot of other people i know would get really uppity about Oh, but is a clitoris? Should we consider it a girl? And just generally, everything she, like people will make a point of calling something a she, mm. to make a point. I'm like, well, I wasn't, I wasn't specifically thinking it was a guy. I just called it him because it's better than it. It is sort of interesting when considering also the sort of points the film is making or the um, the stories the film is telling about how men have kind of insinuated themselves into the story of the clitoris. And how it's they've kind of taken a sort of ownership of it. They've kind of planted their flag in it, as one part of the film sort of visually depicts. The clitoris, it's sort of, you know, the implication is sort of that the clitoris, of course, didn't exist until a man came along and discovered it for the first time. Uh, and then depending on which country, you know, it's a different guy who, who lays claim to that particular revelation. I think it's funny because I think... It's funny to watch all these men arguing about the clitoris and the fact that there isn't a single... In in the film, anyway, I know there were female sexologists, but that none of them were, like, 
It's like, I have one. <laughs> so I kind of know better. Well, yeah, I guess it was a it was a different time. And the first-hand experience was was not the point. The man had to have the first say. The man had to like lay claim to it for it to be considered for it to be taken seriously, which is something we've moved on from a little bit. I kind of assumed that a woman would just be like, it's just there. <laughs> like we don't need to research it, we just need to use it. But then so many people, even nowadays, and this I think is why a film like this is quite important, uh, in a similar way that the films of Sidney Bauman are important, uh, and generally just a good, healthy approach to sex education is important. There are an awful lot of people, even today, that just don't have a full awareness, or they have a lot of misinformation about themselves and their bodies and what's wrong and right to do. And I think that some people, they just kind of make their own discovery and they happen upon things perfectly naturally and in a perfectly healthy way. Some people, their first introduction to sex is, you know, not necessarily appropriate or, you know, it's it's from like older school children or people who don't have all the facts right. So they get this kind of fractured, not altogether accurate worldview of, you know, what sexuality is. I think that magazine culture, which I, I discussed with Anna a couple episodes back, is particularly bad at that, like deliberate misinformation you know, designed for, you know, creating confusion in the reader so that they'll buy more magazines. I think that, you know, TV culture, you know, the the different sort of variants on what is considered like appropriate sexual conduct at different ages, as depicted through sitcoms and TV dramas and things like that. You watch a lot of that stuff as a child, and a lot of it contradicts itself. A lot of it goes against what is actually the case. So I do find that films like this that are just kind of up front and have a bit of fun with it, but are pretty sort of basic in the sense of, like your point is, it should be up to a person to discover it themselves. But an awful lot of people have to combat a lot of information that kind of goes against self-discovery. And I think a film that just kind of lays it all out like this is quite useful. I think one of the interesting things that sort of pointed out during the film or told us during the film was about how back in the Middle Ages and stuff religion and culture would actually encourage the female orgasm in women because they thought it would be a better way to conceive age fertility yeah Yeah. which i think is quite an interesting thing it's weird that we've kind of lost that along the way even though that is actually factually correct i believe because obviously if you're more engaged in the act you're going to be more open to it's probably quite a sound logic as far as like its evolutionary function and everything like you know because the opening line of this film is where the clitoris is the only organ designed solely for pleasure. Well, pleasure then has a physiological domino effect, mm. which, yeah, probably would aid for... And- yeah, and, you know, lubrication yeah. and things, like, all sorts of things that aid the sexual act. So, I mean, yes, it does have a sole function for pleasure, but the pleasure then has its own set of functions, which then is probably rooted in biology, if you're one of those Darwinists like I am. Um, I think it's one of those interesting things as well, like clitorises as well as the orgasm and the same is for like men. It's far more socially acceptable to A, talk about masturbation in men and for men to masturbate and we just kind of assume you're all at it all the time if you're not in front of us. Sometimes if you I are. I don't know us. what you mean. <laughs> Where even though like people are definitely coming round to it, it's still kind of seen as like a, oh really, if a girl is or like... They just You wouldn't expect your female friends to be masturbating right now, but I'm sure they are. <laughs> okay, well. 
what to this podcast <laughs> right now i think that from our conversation that we'll hear in a minute uh laurie's sort of attitude toward that is is pretty similar in the sense that you know one of the functions of this film is to at the very least prompt more discussion on self-pleasure have it be less of a taboo i mean i think back to the 90s when it was becoming a lot more prevalent in tv and fiction and stuff like that like it it seemed like it wasn't this kind of you know swept under the rug kind of like taboo notion anymore it seemed like this wave of post-feminism had been and gone that had really kind of when put, when are you I'm, I'm thinking like early 90s to late 90s yeah i don't know we kind of went weirdly we went forward and then went back a bit i don't really know where we yeah. stand at the moment in terms of it's like how like we're not a particularly rebellious generation like our rebellion was staying inside and playing on like the sims or world of warcraft or msn and okay. like parents found that really difficult to deal with because they didn't it wasn't anything they'd ever had to experience because they'd not grown up with computers and stuff yeah. where when they were teenagers they were out like, like experimenting with drugs and tattoos and drinking and sex and stuff maybe I, I mean it seems like in some respects you're absolutely right that it's become a very it's become such a mainstay of the world at large that maybe people have almost forgotten that it's not meant to be a taboo anymore and as such to a degree a taboo has come back and it's again become a sort of thing that's talked about and kind of whispers in a way that i thought that we'd kind of moved past but as we've discussed on the other podcast quite a bit there's something happening with the world now where all of the kind of progression and all of the barriers that were burst through in the late 80s and early 90s they're all of a sudden they've been erected again and and now it's basically we we didn't really progress in a straight line we've come round again and so maybe sexual acceptance and sexual awareness and education and that kind i mean i have to say that my generation's contributions to culture didn't help at all when you have shows like sex in the city Mm. present this very facile adolescent boy idea of what female psychosexuality is like like if you if you were to go into your sort of adulthood with that as a frame of reference you would think that middle-aged women have the sexual urges and functions and drives as a 17 year old boy which is quite inaccurate yeah i think one of the major issues we have and it's something that we don't like to acknowledge especially in england and especially in our culture is the issue in like sexuality isn't so much uh, it's definitely not in the older generations because especially with women because women tend to get more sexually active as they get older and men sort of drop off a little bit but the issue is is that very small area between sex ed going from being about periods and your body changing to being about sex and relationships and stuff and and in England or at least when I was going through sexual education the thing they really missed out on we had loads of talks about like STDs and sex and all the horrors that can come from sex but there was never really talks about relationships and it was like peer pressure like don't get bullied into having sex and you're like well I'm not eight so I'll probably be fine Mm. um and I think it's that window target that we're missing out on you know how like there's every year there's like some massive daily mail scandal like they want to teach babies how about sex like it's like oh they want to tell my five-year-old girl about her vagina i won't stand for it and it's like well that's kind of the time you need to because other european countries like in amsterdam and denmark and stuff they talk about sex and sexuality at a very very young age doesn't mean to go off and have sex 
No. It just means they know what it is, so when they do get an inkling, they can, you know, deal with it themselves. They don't feel like they need to go and find another person to make it happen. And if they do, they know they can go and buy condoms or they know they can go to, like, a health clinic and get some for free. Because mm. we still have a really, really high teenage pregnancy rate in England for whatever reason, despite us throwing, basically throwing free condoms at kids from about the age of 12... But maybe twelve is too late. I mean, well, yeah, for, to sort of first bring it up. Yeah, yeah I think I, I'm I, as someone who had it brought up at a very young age, and was able to, you know, have the emotional intelligence even at that young age to then say, okay, file that away for later, mm-hmm. rather than immediately start, you know, pursuing it as a recreational activity. I had enough, you know, Super Nintendo games to keep me <laughs> occupied until I think it's I think it's more of an issue of just allowing that to be something you talk about and I think in most families and most people's lives there isn't that kind of openness mm-hmm. and I think things like this clutterous film and all the other films we're talking about would be a really good way of introducing children to it because it's using a medium they know to talk about something they maybe are a little bit uncomfortable about and I always think if kids are laughing about something, it means they're going to talk about it later. Mm. So it's probably a better way of doing it than being like, here's a really boring or really graphic scientific CG diagram of like sperm going up a fallopian tube, because that's not going to make any kids want to talk about anything. Yeah, here's a picture of a vagina, but from the angle of a woman who's been sliced <laughs> down the middle of her body, so it looks like something out of a horror movie. So if you're ever in a, like, a cannibalistic abattoir, you'll know what to do. It's kind of, I mean, this is a, it's a good point, and it's, as Laurie mentions, it's something that will hopefully be implemented. And another thing, you know, the appeal of the film, I think, is actually something that uh, crosses quite a few sort of age uh, ranges in the sense that, you know, he, she, or it, the clitoris that is the main character in the film, is adorable. And how it's actually quite sort of factually accurate. In a way that actually, I think, up till quite recently, like a few years ago, I don't think that many people sort of knew just how much there was to the clitoris. Yeah, I guess I, I, I'm not really that aware of the internal workings of, like, biologically of what the vagina looks like. Except for when we went to that body works museum and it showed, like, a deconstructed vagina. Well, yeah, I guess that, generally speaking, our sort of frame of reference for the inner workings of our reproductive system are those biology textbooks images and so they generally tend to not include the clitoris going back to that idea of like now kids don't be scared of the vagina but here's a cross-section of a woman well it's also not exactly a picnic if you're a guy and you're faced with that cross-section image of a guy cut in two so yes i think for a lot of people and for a long time i think the clitoris was just kind of viewed as this very small little nubbin but then what is underneath it's actually quite a complex little piece of kit it's That's, a bit like a split, inverted penis. When you look at the length of it, it's kind of like a penis that's been split down the side and goes like a banana peel. Mm-hmm. Every male listener of this podcast has just winced and crossed his legs right now. Imagine penis was cut in half, <laughs> put stuff back inside, and then... Tied in a nut like a pretzel, just for <laughs> shits and giggles. And then we rub salt into it. So as it turns out, and we did sort of see the, the skinned vagina, which was a sobering day... Uh, at the uh, Body Works exhibition. I've seen a couple of those exhibitions. There's touring anatomy exhibitions that are pretty interesting. 
in general, and one did have like the whole like female reproductive system and the clitoris on its own. As it turns out, that actually translates rather well to a little adorable anthropomorphized character, and uh, it really is very sweet, <laughs> little I fella. It has a pin badge. I think it'd make a nice plushie. I can make you one. Well, let's, you know, there might be copyright, copyright infringement. <laughs> Don't voice your plagiaristic <laughs> intentions. I want it to be made into a pin badge. I demand it. Okay, well, if she's listening. It would be a very good uh, festival promotion tool, certainly. Aww. People will love a pin badge. True. They're very expensive, though. Enamel! And, you know, you actually... It's, a, it's sort of a strange thing about the power of animation. It's a very sort of goofy little film with a very, you know, important message to it. Uh, the animation itself is quite simple. It's... Uh, ink drawn, I believe, uh, or inked by hand and then scanned in and I think digitally painted. Very, very, very pink. So quite a traditional film in that sense and you do have this character at the sort of centre of it that's very endearing and you sort of feel sympathy for it. But I think it's quite nice the way that she's able to do that. I think it's quite a nice sort of hallmark of a good visualiser. And uh, this woman, I don't know if we actually said her full name, it's Laurie Malipa Traverse and she's a graduate of Concordia and lives in Montreal. My old stomping grounds. And did some other stuff sort of in a similar vein while she was at Concordia. I did see something else that she had done. Um, a bit similar to something that we've been talking about recently in other episodes of the podcast about animation used for sexual awareness or consent campaigns, that kind of thing. She did a series of little, like, consent animations, but with fruit, which I thought was an interesting idea. I've not seen these. You can punch it up. This is actually from the Concordia website. Concordia's Fresh Take on Consent, a new animated video series produced by Concordia grads for Concordia students. A 20-second stop-motion animation, part of a series of three videos created by graduates Daniel Sterling Altman and Laurie Malipar Traversey for Concordia's Sexual Assault Resource Center. And you can have a little watch of them here in this article. It is interesting how similar it is actually to the um, the Project Consent videos that we were talking about a couple of episodes ago in the way it's kind of set up, except it is fruit. And in the Project Consent videos, they were quite sort of explicitly genitals interacting. But the ultimate sort of point of these videos is kind of where the line is drawn of over-familiarity and when it's okay to do something or not do something. So in this instance, instead of like an actual penis sort of, you know, getting fresh with an actual pair of boobs or a vagina, it's like two pairs in bed. But it's very nice if you go to concordia.ca and look that up. Yeah, they're interesting. They're really, they're good. I like, I like the idea for them and I like the fact that university students have done it for their university. Um, I mean, what do you think of it? I mean, do you feel like that's more effective or less effective or whether it's just separate given that it's actually just using fruit i would say that's more effective than the ones that use body parts i understand why they do it but i think sometimes people get distracted by the fact that like they're watching a pair of tits talk well as larry will mention in the interview there's a certain degree i think of there will always be a percentage of people who will just be automatically either shocked or maybe a bit put off or kind of taken off guard just with a certain visual being used or a certain word being used. The thing I think that is good about this is that no one could say that those films were inappropriate because if you're going to use fruit and stuff, you'd avoid most of the things that most people and mostly parents would not be okay with. And you could show that all pre, pretty much all pre-Watershed, I would imagine, because it's not like there's anything in it that's like ludicrously sexual. 
Not more than you would see in terms of like the innuendos and daytime TV advertising. They kinda, yeah. they, because they're fruit, they kind of reminded me of like the old naked smoothie adverts. Because it's like a pineapple shedding his skin and stuff like that. Right. So yeah, there is definitely still, you know, conversations to be had. And there are all conversations that have been had. It's just, I guess, you know, generations come and go. And uh, they need to be had again. It's not like we can have them once and then the next sort of generation sort of comes in. Like every gen- in the same way that every generation feels like they invented sex. I think every generation needs to kind of have that proper education. And that sort of brings us back to the original point of how we haven't progressed in this straight line. We have kind of, you know, gone around in a yet another loop. So while animation had a big part to play in terms of promoting a very sort of positive and socially responsible message about sex, well, not everyone's going to dig out those films that were made 20 years ago. And so it's great that we have filmmakers such as Anna and such as Laurie and the, the other people that we've been discussing carry on that tradition because i think that certainly certainly there's an educational potential there i think that's something that as laurie will go into is pretty important for her so i think on that note why don't we go into uh the interview and hear more about how the film actually came about so here's laurie malipa traverse director of le clitoris i was uh, studying in the fine arts in a more general uh, area of art uh before going in animation, and I started doing little animation on my own and self-taught myself um, because I, I think I saw like a video clip, uh, music videos on internet, and I was inspired by that. So after that, I discovered that there was a, an animation program at my university. So I applied to that, and finally, I completely felt in love with the the program and the the technique and. Uh, I started to do uh, another degree, so I did my second degree in animation at uh, Concordia University in Montreal. So yeah, it was a three very nice years, and I learned a lot of stuff, and I really found my way. I really found that that was what I was going to do for all my life, hopefully. And uh, more specifically in my uh, subject of, of my film, do you want that I talk about that now, or... Yeah, it'd be good to hear about the circumstances that led to that being made. So it was uh, our final film. It was made at uh, at Concordia. So it was our final film. Uh, we have to do one film in one school year, the last year. And we have total uh, liberty of uh, of the subject, of the, of the technique. So I started to think about that the summer before, and I... I wanted to do something about female sexuality, but I wasn't sure exactly what, and I just knew I wanted to talk about that. So uh, I started to do some research, and I found that just the clitoris, just this organ, had so much funny and weird information about it. So I thought maybe I could do a film, a short film, just on the clitoris, just on this anatomy and uh, the, the stuff we don't know about the clitoris, the, the stuff I didn't know myself and I wanted to to make people aware of it. So, yeah, and so it's it's a short film. We had, like, uh, we, we couldn't do more than uh, two or three minute films because we are alone to do a film. So we have to be specific and because we are not working in team at uh, at this university. 
so yeah we have to 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 find some some ways to do something interesting but in a short time mm-hmm. so what did the school like make of this idea when you presented it to them did they help you develop it at all yeah i i presented to my class uh there were about 16 people in my class so, and uh, when i presented it i i just wrote like my a kind of rough narration and some rough images and people were really really happy about it mm-hmm. they my my teacher she was very uh, laughing and and she thought it was already like a good start and yeah I was I was a bit shy to present it at first because I knew some people in my class, but I didn't know everybody. Mm. So that was a bit like personal to say, "Hey, I'm gonna do a film on the clitoris," and uh, people are a bit shy about it. Mm. But it went well, and yeah, I had uh, good comments, and it was a good way to to start, like to have good comments about my film from my teacher and my classmates. Yeah. Certainly, I think what succeeds very well about the film is there's enough sort of levity to it uh, visually. You know, it's amusing and it's quite, you know, it's warm. And I think a big part of that is having the clitoris actually be like a character. Yeah. Um, And that design is really very appealing. It's very sort of cute almost. (laughs) What sort of led you to actually kind of anthropomorphize the clitoris itself? I saw an image of uh, on internet when I was looking for clitoris images with the penis and the clitoris side by side, and they were having like little uh, roots, and they really looked like feet for me. So I thought it really looked like a I could do a, easily a character with that, and then it started from that. I saw really like I could see a little funny face on them <laughs> and some arms. Mm. And that's where it started. Like wh- when I saw an image of of both of them together, they were looking like little character. And I just uh, doodling the clitoris, and and I started to to make it more simple. But it's already a simple shape, like the the real anatomy of it. Mm. So it, it came easily, and it was su- just so fun. I I was having a lot of fun just drawing the clitoris in different way and. Mm. doing different things that it it finally it came a bit naturally mm. yeah. i suppose also that sort of limit of like knowledge especially sort of male knowledge that's kind of a, a component of the film as well and uh an element of the film that's sort of a sense of i guess ownership or discovery from the point of view of men i guess over the years male perspectives male misconceptions yeah, yeah. um was that something you were quite keen to explore yeah i was i was uh i was really su- Surprised, but not surprised that much when I when I learned all that in my research, and uh, and yeah, I wanted to like take back the clitoris and have a, a woman perspective on it, and stop these men having their opinion on it, and uh, mm. and yeah, it is it's it's kind of funny and ridiculous at the same time the the way they are treating the the female body and the the history of medicine and we see like often the penis is more represented as uh, some kind of character in a way like we've seen that before some kind of uh, penis character but i i wanted to 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 bring the female sexual organ as something alive to something that can have a personality 
something that you can treat as a a little person and that is that exists actually that is not just something you you point at and you don't know exactly what it is and uh, you 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 tell you you think it's a it's mysterious and uh, not clear so i wanted to like just show clearly what can be the female sex you do also say in the film toward the end that the clitoris is still considered obscure do you feel that this is something that men perceive or do you think it's men and women in a sense oh, i think it's really men and women i think Mm-hmm. I think men don't know about uh, the the female sex, the clitoris, and I think mo- almost most importantly, but it's both important. But female also don't know about clearly about the name of their sex and exactly what is the clitoris and where is it and how big is it and what it is used for. And I think it's. It's both, it's men and, and women that hopefully could know more about the clitoris because I feel that men and women know much more about the male organs than the female organ, <clears throat> whether it's men or women. So I think there's there's uh, information that needs to, to, get, to get out more. From your perspective, is there any sort of thoughts on how that information you know, might be able to reach more people? Like, what sort of things people, filmmakers like yourself or educators perhaps could do? Um, yeah, I think it's that's a bit the, why I did that, because I wanted... Firstly, I wanted just to inform myself, because that's that was all new information for me. And, and secondly, I wanted to just inform my classmates and my, my friends and my family, but I see that that's much bigger than that, I want... I would like to inform like uh, everybody that encounter my film, and uh, I think it's it's a nice way to do like a short film that is funny, that is fun to watch, and at the same time you can throw some some uh, real information in it. So uh, yeah, I think it's it's a good way, and I think. Uh, after uh, going uh, through festivals, I, I would like to try to maybe send my film to uh, some school or high school and mm. see like if they could maybe uh, present it to, to young to young people, to teenagers. And yeah, I think it's it's a, it's a good way to send some message. Yeah. Mm. Do you think that having it be animation would help kind of sell it in that respect? Make it an easier watch perhaps for general audiences yeah i think my film could just have been done in animation in in the way i did my my little character because it's it's kind of impossible to do a a live action film like that you have to add some animation in it and uh, i think that's why it works because i could really start from nothing and create the whole character, the whole environment, something that would have been maybe that would have looked more maybe dry or or more serious in live action or more even vulgar or that's why I think it works for for younger people or that it's it can be presented to younger people because it's not like directly a big 
vulva in your face. It's a drawing of a vulva or it's a drawing of a clitoris. So it's more like a, a bit metaphorical, but I think that's that's why animation is per, is perfect for uh, for my subject. And it's more funny to watch, I think. Mm. How have you found audiences have responded to it so far? They think it's really funny, um, mm. but... Uh, at the same time, I'm I'm having good comments, but I'm having I think just people that are a bit shy about it because it's all new information and it's and there sometimes there even if they 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 knew that the they saw in the program that the clitoris is gonna is gonna play uh, they're still a bit like shock or surprised because I think they're not used to that like to uh, to have a real uh, the the good words and interface like I see penis I see uh, clitoris I see I see vagina I think it's it's it shocks it shocks people uh, but there's a lot of really good reaction also I receive uh, emails of people saying that they they just saw the trailer and they can't wait to saw the, the, the to see the film and I think there's there's a public for that there's also like a public discovering it and there's a public still still a bit shy about it but i think it's normal and I th- i'm really happy about the the reactions so far yeah are you interested in exploring similar subjects with your animation work in future yeah i definitely want to continue to uh, to to look into that subject <clears throat> maybe a bit less uh, like uh, educational but i would like to stay on the subject of female sexuality and uh, masturbation or uh, self-love, self-pleasure. Uh, I think that there's a, there's still a lot of stuff to, to talk about that and a lot of way to present, to present it. So, uh, yeah, I definitely want to continue in that subject. I think it's not, I'm not over. Like, I, I, have, I have other ideas. Yeah. Excellent. So in the more immediate future, what uh, what's coming up for you? Um, I'm going to start a residency. It's a short residency uh, of uh, about a month. So I'm going to start working on a new project. I'm going to start writing a scenario or a script, and uh, that's what I want to. Uh, that's what I want to do. Um, and uh, it's going to be, I think, on uh, on masturbation, female masturbation. I would like to maybe have more um, thoughts or uh, real, real uh, talk uh, from women. Maybe I could interview women or take some uh, take some text that they they wrote about about masturbation. That's my uh, that's my name. Uh, my next uh, project. Yeah. Thank you very much to Laurie Malipa Traversy, director of Le Clitoris. And the film is still doing the rounds in festivals. You can catch it at the Grand Rapids Feminist Film Festival in America on the 23rd of October. Anima Mundi, which kicks off on the 25th of October. That's in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro and Sao Paulo. At the Click Amsterdam Animation Festival from the 27th of October. Then in November, it's at Doc Leipzig in Germany. The Festival de Courtmetrage Dauch in France. Cutout Fest International Animation and Digital Art Festival in Mexico, and then later in November at Le Summit de Cinema d'Animation in Laurie's home city of Montreal. I've been to Le Summit a few years ago. It was a lovely festival. And one assumes down the line it will get itself an online release. 
Uh, I imagine it will do very well when that day comes, because the buzz around the trailer alone, this trailer has over 140,000 views. Wow. For a trailer, that's a pretty good side. Sex sells, I guess. But, you know, I, you know, even if someone stumbles on a film like this, and I think they would, the same could apply to pretty much any film that deals with this kind of subject matter. Someone could just kind of stumble on this and not necessarily watch it with the uh, noblest of intentions, but it's such a charming trailer, and I think it's a really warm, sincere film that I think people would be hard-pressed to watch it and not actually feel that it was something entertaining and you know interesting and probably want to watch the film. And there's a really nice production blog for the film at lorimalapart-clitoris.tumblr.com. And that has a really nice look at how the film came together and a whole bunch of interesting articles and things that have been kind of collected that deal with the subject and a lot of extra sort of research. He done, he's done a lot of work as far as gathering materials and stuff for this film. Her main website is a Tumblr. It's mtlori.tumblr.com. So that's all for another episode of Intimate Animation. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with episode five. So thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Intimate Animation. I've been Ben Mitchell. You can find me on Twitter at Ben L. Mitchell. I'm Laura Beth Cowley at LB Cowley. And of course, at Squiggly is the main one for us. And the website is squiggly.com. If you haven't been it lately, there's lots of great stuff on there in the last couple of weeks worth checking out. Our regular podcast just did its 60th episode a couple of weeks ago, and we welcomed two British institutions under themselves, Peter Furman and Daniel Postgate. You can check back and listen to that. We have news from some upcoming festivals, including the Click Amsterdam Animation Festival program being unveiled, and we'll be bringing you some coverage of Click later on in the month. Also on the site, some first early teaser footage from Ardman's in-production film Early Man, a review of the Brothers Quay Blu-ray collection, as well as an exclusive insight into their latest project, courtesy of Joseph Wallace, something of a Brothers Quay expert. Laura Beth has a review of the recent Art of the Movie book for The Little Prince. And if you didn't catch it at the time, in episode 56 of the regular podcast, me and Laura Beth interviewed the stop-motion team who uh, helped bring that film to life. Uh, the Art of the Movie book is really quite splendid. And worth a look if you're uh, into your art of books, and you can check out the review over on Squiggly. We also have a review of the new Sony film, Stalks, courtesy of Wes Allard. Wes also interviews the two composers, brothers Jeff and Michael Danner. And on the new animation front, you can have a look at Seed Animation's collaborative Breast Cancer Awareness Month film, which brings together a whole bunch of uh, very talented animators. In a similar vein, the Late Night Work Club has just revealed the trailer for their second anthology film, is called Strangers, and that will hopefully be released later in November, so keep your eyes open for that. Also this week, the National Film Board of Canada have released 25 of their recent films online, absolutely free in honour of International Animation Day, which takes place on October 28th. If you check out that article we put up on that, you can also go through a whole bunch of the filmmaker interviews that we've done for the NFB films over the last few years. It's a really nice excuse to look back, and if you haven't seen these films yet, definitely find the time to check them out before the end of this month which is when some of them will no longer be online in full uh, but all worth checking out while you can a couple of quick film plugs before we sign off for the benefit of our swiss listeners my film Klimenthrow is still part of the nuit du cord metrage tour of switzerland and its next stop will be lugano tomorrow the 21st of october 
The program plays at the Cinema Lux Art House Masanio, starting at 7 in the evening. So if you're around for that, by all means do swing by. And the following week, things get pretty busy for the film. Uh, on Thursday, October the 27th, it'll play at the Sodak Motion Festival in South Dakota at the South Dakota Art Museum, starting at 6.30pm. And then two more stops on the Nuit de Courmetrage tour back in Switzerland. Firstly, at Le Chat de Fond on the 28th of October, starting at 8pm at the Cinema ABC. The night after that, the 29th of October, it'll be in Neuchâtel at the Cinema Studio, also starting at 8. And from the 25th through to the 30th of October, it'll be playing as part of the Anima Mundi official selection. There are a whole bunch of screenings there, so it's probably easier if you just check out animamundi.com.br to check out times and venues and such. That's playing as part of the international competition 5 at various venues in Rio de Janeiro. And I'll keep you posted with the second leg of the festival, which is in Sao Paulo, in the next podcast. So that's all from us, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye!